Hey family, this is Elder Topaz, and I want to welcome you to the Mirrors and Microscopes broadcast. This is always a reflective journey and how we do leadership and how we do life in the kingdom of God. I pray that this broadcast finds you doing well and blessed and favored, even in the midst of these challenging and unusual times. Now listen, I'm excited about my new series, Chronicles of the Underdog. Now we took a brief sabbatical due to the Labor Day holiday, but we're back and we're ready to dive right back into this series. Now I feel like we can all relate to stories, testimonies, and biblical examples of those who have been slated and perceived as the underdog in the eyes of others. And I'm sure at some point in our lives, we all been labeled or carried the misperception of, of being the underdog, whether it was in our family and upbringing, in education, in our careers, in business, in relationships, in church, and even to the point where we were our own worst enemy and our own critic and started believing the labels and buying into the idea and posture of being underrated and downplayed and held stagnant by low expectations. But oftentimes, as a perceived underdog, it can be discouraging because existing and serving and working and ministering and loving on others and growing and evolving and even leading in the shadows of constant disregard and constant unbelief and constant judgment can transform your mindset to the point where your fallback game strengthens. But I stop by to remind you that there is glory in the shadows, that there is unusual anointing in the shadows, that there is power in the shadows, and that God ministers and he performs some of his greatest miracles and some of his greatest works in the shadows. And as the old folks say, he works great things in the shadows. But before we go any further, Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. We magnify you. And we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to posture and position ourselves. To walk in the fullness of who you have called us to be. God, this moment and in this moment, we repent because we allow criticism and allow the rejection, and allow the minuscule banter, and allow others' low expectations, and allow the disapproval of others to speak and reverberate louder than your word, louder than your promises, louder than your timing, and louder than your strategies and wisdom. We thank you because you have demonstrated to us over and over again your grace, and your sovereignty over our lives. God, you've demonstrated that you are fully invested in all that you have deposited and cultivated on the inside of us. Lord, we thank you because no matter the season we find ourselves in, you are yet with us. You yet continue to keep us. God, you yet sustain us. 
God, you continue to cover and shield us over and over again. So, Lord, we thank you. And we don't take these things and these moments and these blessings and the covering lightly. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. Are y'all ready? Y'all ready to dive in? All right. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so let's go. So we ended our last time together discussing Samuel anointing David as king over his brothers in 1 Samuel 16 verses 1 through 13 and how operating and flowing in an unusual and uncommon anointing can bring common adversity. Others would rather go into consensus with a popular opinion than to advocate for the uncommon and to advocate for the peculiar. But regardless of the opinion and misperceptions of the majority, God was with David. David was faithful in what was assigned to his hands. Whether it was deemed as insignificant or whether it was deemed as significant or not. And being anointed as king was not on David's radar and it was not on his agenda. But God is yet revealing his glory in our lives. When we focus on and desire to point things back to our own vainglory, then we can miss out on opportunities for God to use us in a greater capacity because self is in the way. I want to read something to you that God gave me. Um, in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. And it's a reminder to us. I'm reading it from the Amplified Bible. And it says, just look at your own calling, believers. Not many of you were considered wise according to human standards. Not many powerful or influential. Not many of high or noble birth. But God has selected for his purpose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, revealing their ignorance. And God has selected for his purpose the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, revealing their frailty. God has selected for his purpose the insignificant things of the world and the things that are despised and treated with contempt even the things that are nothing, so that he might reduce to nothing the things that are, so that no one may be able to boast in the presence of God. So in the eyes of some who may be in your presence, who may be connected to you, who may be around you, you may have been perceived as the underdog, just as David was perceived as the underdog. He was young, he was unassuming, and he was doing the thing he loved and was passionate about. But even in the midst of all of that, God had a greater purpose and assignment on his life. So as we continue to track in 1 Samuel 16 verses 14 through 1 Samuel 17 verses 1 through 58, I want to highlight seven principles 
that we can learn from David as he was serving and being elevated in the shadows. Seven things that I want us to glean. Seven principles that I want us to take away from this very familiar scripture, this very familiar story in the Bible, this very familiar story of one who was perceived as an underdog but ended up winning in the end. So we know as soon as David was anointed as king, he went right back into the field, tending to the sheep, leading and shepherding them. But David, even though he was anointed as king, he wasn't walking around stomping and beating his chest and making demands and announcing that he was anointed as the next king. He wasn't doing all that. Because some of us who get a word like that, we start getting a big head and we start acting like that we have arrived. But he still walked in a low place. He still came in low. He was still humble. He still went back to the assignment that God had given him and that he was currently in. So the first thing that I want us to glean is this. When God chose or when God chooses you, it doesn't always mean that you're immediately escorted to the top. Oftentimes, it's a test. You must remain faithful to what God has assigned you to do until God finishes orchestrating his timing and preparing the environment and tailor-making the opportunity and assignment for your specific anointing. Number two, your season in the shadows may cause you to feel unrecognized, to feel unappreciated, to feel uncomfortable, to feel unaccepted, and to feel unacknowledged. But don't despise where God has placed you. God is utilizing it to train and position you for greater things to come. Now, although David was anointed as king, he was also skilled and, and anointed as a musician and sought and was sought after and summoned by King Saul, the one who he would soon succeed to minister to King Saul during the times which he would battle. King Saul battled with inner demons and ungodly spirits. And David was assigned with all the skill and gifting that he had to bring peace to King Saul, to bring an anointing that would heal and deliver and set free the things that Saul was dealing with. And so we have to understand as well that even though we learned that David had a variety of gifts. He wasn't trying to pick and choose which ones he wanted to flow in or not flow in. They were activated and called upon during appointed times and seasons that God activated. David wasn't trying to act like he was above his musically inclined gifts or being assigned as an armor bearer because he was anointed as the next king. But David was obedient to his current assignments. So how is it that God chooses us, yet we want to choose the assignment and dictate how 
and dictate when and dictate who. Really? That's how God is looking at us. Like, really? Really? You want to dictate to me? How? You want to dictate to me the people? You want to dictate me the time period? But it's truly a test of our response and obedience to God. God will give us glimpses and he'll give us clues of blessings to come and give us glimpses of our destiny. But how many times has God said, I'm going to let you choose a path you want to take and I'm going to let you choose how you want to get there? How many times has he done that to you? Because I, I don't know about you, but he hasn't done that to me. He hasn't offered me that option yet. But in regards to that, I want to share something with you. And I'm going to use this broadcast as an example. Because God placed this broadcast in my spirit years ago. He would begin downloading topics and themes and concepts. I mean, they were just flowing just effortlessly. But at the time, I was terrified. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I was terrified of others rejecting how God ministered to me. And I was terrified of openly sharing what God says to me. And I was terrified because I struggled and was uncomfortable with my overall presentation, period. But I know that God has not given us a spirit of fear. I know that it's in the word. But transparently, I allowed my flesh and my comfortability to overshadow my assignment. But God began to create opportunities. He started moving barriers out of the way, so much so to the point where money wasn't an issue, platforms wasn't an issue, content wasn't the issue. And at some point, I had no choice but to obey God or I could start being whooped and chastened by God for walking in disobedience. So what we don't want to do, especially not in this season, we don't want to miss what God has on the other side of our obedience, on the other side of submitting our gift to God, and on the other side of the blessings that God has in store for you and for me. Have you ever been in a place in your life where God disrupts your life to the point where it completely clears a pathway for his will and it completely clears a pathway for his original design. We never know who God has assigned us to help, who he has assigned us to deliver, who has he uh, who he has assigned us to set free and impact because of our obedience. You never no. And you have to understand and realize that what you're carrying can change someone's life. That's how serious this thing is. That's how weighty it is that what you're carrying can change and transform someone's life. So the next thing that blessed me about the humble beginnings of David's journey was in 1 Samuel 17, verses 20 through 58, in which David was activated and launched into the challenging assignment of going to battle against uh, Goliath. Despite his naysayers, 
despite the opinion of his eldest brother, who was envious and discouraging to David, and despite those who perceived David as the underdog. And so even though this is a very familiar story in scripture, here are the remaining things that God wants me to share and impart with you on uh, this evening. We're on the fourth thing. The fourth thing is our approach to God's divine opportunities are indicative of our response to God. When we are chosen for the assignment and when we allow God free reign in our lives, he prepares and he develops us as we surrender our will to him. And I'm going to say that again. When we are chosen for the assignment and allow God free reign in our lives, he prepares and develops us as we continue to surrender our will to his. The divine moment will come and it's going to come when God will use you. And when he chooses to use you, trust and believe that giants will fall. The fifth thing, David knew and understand God's plan and he aligned himself with that plan. Newsflash, timing is everything. And David understood that this was his moment, regardless of King Saul trying to make him fit into some 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 armor that was too heavy that he wasn't used to regardless of king Saul trying to fit him fit him into a prototype and a mold uh trying to make him fit into a traditional uh system of battle trying to make him fit into a faulty way of thinking and a faulty perception regardless of that regardless of the approach that King Saul was trying to put on to David that was not conducive to his anointing, that was not conducive to his assignment, and was not conducive to his strengths. David was still courageous. David was still strong in battle. David still trusted God's protection. And David demonstrated that he loved God so much, so passionately. And he loved him for real. That he said, look, I understand that you're trying to make me and mold me and shape me until who you want me to be for this battle. But now don't worry about that. God's got it. All the training that I went through, all the background that I have, everything that I have gone through until this moment was designed for this particular assignment, for this particular battle for this particular moment. And so I want to impart a word for leaders that God has given me. And this is a word for leaders, whether you're out in the front, on the front lines, whether you're leading from the middle or whether you're leading from behind the scenes. God is looking for leaders who have the qualities of spiritually devoted hearts and of humility ones who will continue to seek personal growth and to cultivate your leadership abilities. This is what God is looking for in this season and time. God chooses those 
who have been perceived and labeled as underdogs because you understand and you know how it feels to not be chosen by man. I'm going to say that again. God chooses those. He chooses leaders. He chooses disciples. He chooses people who have been perceived and labeled as underdogs because we understand, because you understand, because they understand and know how it feels to not be chosen by man, which goes into my sixth point. God is seeking to raise up ordinary, everyday people to do and carry out extraordinary tasks. I want to repeat that again. God is seeking to raise up ordinary, everyday people to do and carry out extraordinary tasks. God cannot choose you and God cannot use you. If you act like you never struggled, if you act like you never made mistakes, if you act like you never fell, tripped, and stumbled, if you act like you never contemplated throwing in the towel, if you act like you never had a lapse in judgment, if you acted like you never obeyed God, and if you acted like that God didn't turn around after you disobeyed him and he turned around and chastened and whooped your hind parts. Because you walked in disobedience. That's why God is choosing us. Because he needs us to be real and transparent with a generation and a people who are seeking something real. Who are seeking for us to minister and lead in places where there has been deficiencies. In places where there has been hurt. In places where there has been pain. In places where there has been manipulation. In places where there has been a misleading. God is bringing us back to that point where he wants us to show our wounds and our scars. Because if we don't do that, then who are we depending on to walk us through this thing? We have to show that God is in control and that he's walking us through this process. And that even as leaders, we're continuing to be processed. He's continuing to walk us through this thing so I don't know about you but yes I have been whooped by God several times (laughs) and I don't know if y'all ever received these whoopings from your parents it's like receiving a whooping from your parent and for me now my mom and she's probably listening to this broadcast or she gonna go back and listen to it but my mom was like an undercover rap artist And I'm sure your mom was like that too. Because if you know, you just know. But she'd be like, you know, didn't I tell you not to? Didn't I tell? You know what I, I mean, just in concert and rhythm and cadence. I mean, just going in. Every lick was just synchronized with how it landed on my body. Whether it was a belt or a switch. But hallelujah, thank God for the whoopings. But the part that took me out was that before she started whipping me, you know, she was sitting me down. You know, we would have this conversation and I'm thinking we're all good. You know, I'm thinking I had bypassed the whooping. But she started off by saying that, you know, I love you, right? 
And then she go on to say, now you know this going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. And in my mind, I'm like, shoot. You know, if it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me, then then why are you doing it? You know, why are you going through this? <laughs> and I mean, I was one of those smart mouth kids. So, you know, I, I deserve every whooping that I got. Trust and believe. But when it comes to God, he is in that same position that my mom was in, that your parents were in. If you receive those type of whoopings. That what I have to take you through, what I have to process you through, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Because I don't want to see you in that place. I don't want to see you in that condition. I don't want to see you not entering into all that I have for you. I don't want to see you being around people who are not going to pour into you, who are not going to uh, take you to your next level, who are not going to cultivate what's inside of you. I don't want to see that that hurts me and what I'm about to do to bring you back into alignment with me. It's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. But I got to do it because I love you. And I didn't understand that in the moments that my mama told my behind up. But now I realize it. Now I understand it. It was all for my good. It worked out for my good. And even though in the moment it didn't feel good, I thank her. I thank you, mama. And most of all, I thank you, God, for the chastening. I thank you for bringing me back into alignment with what you have for me, with the purpose that you have on my life. And so my last point for tonight The last point in this whole familiar story is that God was with David. When David did battle against Goliath, David received God's insight. He could see the spiritual reality behind the fleshly experience. David said to Goliath, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That could have been a rhetorical question. That could have been a straight up, look here, who are you? Who is this that's sitting here trying to intimidate, who's sitting here trying to block what's on the inside of me, who's sitting here trying to intimidate people, who's sitting here trying to throw their weight around when they have no godly authority, they have no godly power to do what they're trying to do to me and to those who I'm connected to. But he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? And what I love about this is that David was using covenant conversation. He was using covenant language, which was a reflection of his heart. God also chose David because of his heart. And so it's just a reminder to us that we must always check our hearts in everything we do and in every assignment that God connects us to. Do you have the heart for the assignment? Has your heart been circumcised for the assignment? My God, I'm going to say that again. 
Do you have the heart for the assignment? And has your heart been circumcised for the assignment? Back in that day and time, being circumcised and circumcision symbolized faith in God. It symbolized covenant. It symbolized symbolized purity. It symbolized the decreased risk of getting infections. It symbolized the promotion of health and hygiene. And to be uncircumcised meant that you were out of covenant. It meant that you were unclean. And it meant that your heart was not able to be penetrated by God. And so David's battle with Goliath was not only confirmation that God was with him, but it was also a reminder that when God is in it and when God has assigned it, There will always be a battle and a contention between the covenant you made with God versus the works of the flesh that seek to stifle you and stand in your way. There will always be a battle between the circumcised you and the uncircumcised areas of your life. There is always contention and battle and competition. There's always a tug of war and there's warfare with your circumcised heart versus anything that's not like God versus your circumcised connections that the enemy will try to disrupt with matters of the heart. There will always be a battle between a circumcised heart and an uncircumcised heart. And there will always be a battle between your circumcised self and your circumcised heart versus how you handle others and how you want to handle others and how you're thinking about handling others. But before I get out of here, because my time is already up and I got to get out of here. But before I go, I want to leave you with this. In the shadows God is working on those uncircumcised parts of your life. We must allow him to work on those uncircumcised areas of our lives. If we don't, we'll become too comfortable in uncircumcised environments. If we don't deal with the uncircumcised areas, we'll become too comfortable with uncircumcised people. And if we don't deal with it, we'll become too comfortable with uncircumcised relationships and connections. So at the end of the day, you have to know that regardless of how people have perceived you as being the underdog and what it may look like in the natural carnal uh, eyesight and perspective of others, You have to know that God is with you. And because he is with you, you're going to always win in the end. Amen? Amen. I want to offer the gift of salvation and or the gift of rededicating your life back to Christ. Romans 10 and 9 declares, if you openly declare, 
that Jesus is your Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. It's always the right time to make the right decision. And I promise you, no matter what you're going through, no matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, no matter what your friends are saying, no matter what the naysayers are saying, no matter who has slated you as the underdog, I promise you that if you give your life to Christ or if you make that U-turn and come on back home to Christ, it will be one of the most uh exhilarating it will be one of the best decisions you will ever make in your life god is calling you back he wants you he wants everything that he has uh allowed you to walk through and journey through to not only work for your good but to also impact someone who is in your life and someone who is coming into your life. I promise you that it will be one of the best decisions of your life. It won't be easy all the time, but I promise you it'll be the best decision that you can make. I'm cheering for you. I promise you I am. And I also want to let you know that regardless of what others have said about you, Regardless of the fact that you may feel like you are the underdog, that the best is yet to come. Well, I absolutely love you, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Have an amazing week. Be blessed, and may, may the favor of the Lord chase after you. <music>